You're listening to In My Network with Yelit. Ali, I am so excited to have you as the first guest on this new little project of mine. Um, you may not even know this, but you really saved me from my own imposing thoughts and the few times that I spoke to you as a coach at SDR Nation. And when I really thought of this podcast and who I'd love to have on it, and I was having all my imposing thoughts, uh, the first person that kept popping up in my mind was you. And I think like the last time we spoke, you were still at Hi Mama, which was a while ago. I was in um, a different company called Vitazoo, and I was struggling with my outreach and you really took a hold of it and helped me out and just kind of brought the situation back to reality. Mm. And so it just stood out to me the fact that you were the person that came to my mind and I thought what better person to have as the first guest if you were willing to do it, which you agreed to, uh, than someone who discusses imposter syndrome. It's like something that we've all faced at one time or another, whether we like to admit it or not. And it's just nice to kind of see someone consistently on my LinkedIn feed that's talking about it, addressing it and just guiding people through it. So I'll let you take over now. And I guess really, my first question is is like, what happened? Like, how did you build up the courage to go ahead and just leave a big organization like Salesforce and start this journey of coaching? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me. I'm honored to be a part of this project and your new podcast, which I'm, I was like, beyond like thrilled when you messaged me I like ran over to my partner and I was like guess what happened so I'm so proud of you already and so thank you for asking um yeah so for me uh so for those that don't know I'm an imposter syndrome coach and uh the back like the short backstory I guess I won't go too long into it but the short backstory is I've been a coach for about seven to eight years now um but mostly in the kind of corporate space so I was a leader at Salesforce for many years and then I left Salesforce and went to Hi Mama, um, as you mentioned, which is a you know smaller Toronto startup. And I was a leader there. So I was always using my coaching skills and my coaching background, um, but it wasn't obviously, you know, I was still in the corporate environment. I, I, um, I always had the dream, though, that I wanted to go out on my own and just be a full time coach, because when I kind of broke down what I really loved about being a leader, it was the coaching in the end and the relationships with people and whatnot, but those relationships become more um, intimate and, and more um, beautiful because of coaching, right? You really, you really get to know people. And so um, during the pandemic, when we all had too much time on our hands, um, I, um, I kind of set an intention in my head to start taking on private clients again, because I had done it, you know, a few years back. And all of a sudden, a random human um, texted me a a week later, and she was referred to me from a past leader that I worked with at Salesforce, and she was looking for a coach and wanting to know if I was still coaching. And I was like flabbergasted that that happened because I didn't even know this person and I didn't tell anyone that I was going to start coaching again. So it was really like serendipity. Um, So that happened. And then a month later, uh, a, a past client of mine reached out and asked me if I was still coaching. And so I said yes to that. So all of a sudden I had two clients and it got to the point where I was kind of like, well, if I got two clients without really trying and, and even I didn't say anything on LinkedIn, like nothing, like no, my profile did not look like it looks like now. So, you know, what if I just applied myself? Like, could I make this work? And so, you know, I just, I took the plunge back in March and, um, 
you know, now it's been, I guess, nine months or so, eight or nine months of having my business. And it's been amazing. I feel very fortunate to um, have a successful business already. And I'm even more excited for next year to have like the full year. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what happened. Awesome. I mean, it's still incredible. I mean, I know a lot of people go out and do their own thing, but I think being in such a secure place and doing that is is just really amazing to me, at least. Mm. And I mean, you mentioned there being a manager and always kind of coaching in a way. So do you think that you still would have gone into this coaching and imposter syndrome and all these things if you hadn't had the opportunity to kind of coach other salespeople for that period? Yeah, I mean, I... I distinctively got into leadership. So I discovered coaching before I became a leader. So I was still an AE, um, uh, a salesperson for people that don't know that word, but um, I think it's pretty common now. Uh, so I was still an AE when I found coaching in the sense that I got a coach when I was an AE and then fell in love with it immediately and then started training to be a coach. And so I was still an AE throughout that whole process. I think it was about two years that I was an AE while I already had the coaching skills. So I purposefully um, intended to become a leader so that I could practice coaching in the corporate setting and, you know, kind of in a safe environment, of, if you will, because I did have a dream to like leave Salesforce, like well, as an AE to just go and become a coach. And I chickened out on that. I, <laughs> I didn't do it, um, which I don't like, there's parts of me that like, kind of regret it but not really because obviously my my experience at Salesforce was unparalleled and the people that I met and just everything that happened led me to this place where now I can be successful I don't know if I would have been as successful then right so it's like I trust in like kind of the divine timing of the universe but to answer your question yeah like I purposely went to leadership so that I could practice coaching all right awesome I mean but with that like just coaching in general you know there's so many people that coach for business or coach for sales or whatever it might be, but you specifically kind of label yourself as imposter syndrome coach. And where does that stem from? Like where, why specifically yeah. that? I mean, you're such a talented person with sales too. You succeeded in that. So why not just branch off and do sales coaching? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So um, for me, like imposter syndrome, I didn't really know that word until um like a, like a couple of years ago, I would say um, it's been around since the seventies. Like that's when the first, you know, the, the research study came out that created this, this word. Um, but when I finally, uh, you know, found this label imposter syndrome, I was like, Oh my God, this is clearly what I've been feeling for, for so long. Right. And so when I started to talk about it, cause I was a leader at the time when I, when I really knew that terminology. Um, but when I started to talk about it, like when I had the bravery to talk about it with other leaders at my company, that I like respected and thought that they had, you know, everything figured out and, you know, they were, you know, so smart and whatnot. And I was shocked to hear that they all felt the same way. And I was like, what? Like, this is insane. Like, I don't get it. Right. I mean, I totally do get it. And I guess, you know, um, that was kind of a light bulb moment that showed me that like, wow, this is really something that we all face, no matter what level we're in or like does really what industry I have people from all industries reach out to me um that you know identify with imposter syndrome so that was kind of the first clue 
Um, and then actually when I was at Hi Mama, cause I was a head of revenue enablement, I started to do like training sessions around imposter syndrome. And I was actually just talking to someone from Hi Mama the other day. He's like, you know, I, mem- I remember that session. Like it was so impactful. And then, so that was kind of the third, th- the second thing, sorry. And then I was on a call with about 11, 11 women. This is after I left Hi Mama. And um, I mentioned that I, I mentioned imposter syndrome in my intro. And every single one of them like immediately were like, oh my God, yeah, I totally know. Like I feel that way too. And I was like, wow, I can't believe how much this resonates like with people, like for all of them to like nod their heads and be like, yep, like you hit the nail on the head. I was like, okay, like this is clearly a huge challenge and something I I personally faced and something I, I don't feel anymore because my personal philosophy is that we often feel like an imposter because we're not living a life aligned to our values, right? We're trying to kind of pretend all the time and and show up as what we think we should look like or should do and all these kind of things like the supposed to's of the world um and I I never feel like an imposter anymore because I know I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing right and you know you can say what I'm destined to do my purpose la 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 like these things sure yeah maybe that's the case but I just know it's what I absolutely want to be doing right now it's absolutely the impact that I want to have and so on a day-to-day basis I never feel imposter syndrome anymore um so yeah that's kind of where it all came from yeah that's I mean it's really powerful too though to kind of hear you say that when you feel like you know you're in the place that you're meant to be then you don't really feel that imposter syndrome anymore I mean I can really relate to that lately in my new role I just feel I mean I've always kind of been told if you're comfortable then you're not growing but Mm -hmm. I've realized really it's not the truth because even right now I've learned so much in my past four months three months even at Vidyard but every day I feel comfortable and I feel like I'm growing I'm comfortable I'm not terrified with the people that I'm speaking to right ready to wake up every morning um am I sure you know that that's my destiny for the rest of my life no but um for today yeah that's making me feel good for today for the past few months and I believe for, for the future. Um, I think what's like, I think what's like the, um, what you said about if you're comfortable, I think that's, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's about, you need to feel safe. Right. And I think we, we conflate safety and comfort. Right. So it's like, Oh, well, if you're comfortable, then you get lazy, I guess is what people are trying to say but to your point you're like no but I need to feel safe so that I feel safe to grow and I feel safe to make mistakes because that's how we actually grow right but if you don't feel safe none of those things are going to happen because you're just like trying to prove yourself all the time and you just always feel like you said terrified right Mm -hmm. so I think it's about safety um is the key there you're just too scared to even like jump out and maybe do something that's a bit different in fear of kind of messing up or not being in the right place to mess up, at least if you know you're going to be with the right people when that happens. Um, I guess you can kind of compare it like getting drunk with your friends, you know, you feel like (laughs) safe, this is okay, you know, it's like, probably you shouldn't be doing this, but I'm safe, I'm with the right people to do this. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting topic. But taking it back to what you said before about values, which is something I heard you mention in, um, in your podcast that you recently did with Kevin Dorsey as well. And I really thought about it and I was like, well, I don't really know what my values are. You know, like I mm-hmm. love my religion, for example. I love my family. But 
how do my values kind of determine what I should be doing with my life? Because me, for example, I can't see myself as a stay-at-home mom. I love my kids, but that is definitely not my destiny. So how, yeah. how does one go about really defining what their values are? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> the big piece is we can have and hold many values, right? As I'm sure you feel that you do, right? Because um, I'm sure you could have named like five more values when, when you're just naming your religion and your family and whatnot. And that's, that's totally normal. Um, what, I, what I help my clients and kind of um, guide my clients to do is take all of those values, right? So whatever, 20, 30, whatever they might be, and start to narrow it down to two. And the way that you start to narrow it down to two is you start to bucket the themes, right? So there'll be themes because like maybe you value, you know, um, leadership and maybe you value accountability and maybe you value consistency, like, you know, and there's like a theme there with those three things, right? And it's like, you don't have to have those three values always spinning around your head. You can kind of label that one theme, right? Maybe the theme is just leadership, for example. Um, and so, so you take your 20 to 30, you then label them. So that kind of creates like four to five groupings. And then from those, and then you give each of those groupings like a title, right? So as, as I just mentioned, those three values, maybe I'd group that as leadership, right? So you'd have like five titles, five values, if you will. And then from there, you would either eliminate the ones that just don't feel as 100% your absolute priority and like number one value, right? So maybe some of them will drop off, but you might still be left with like three to four. And then what you do is you write out your value statement for each of those words. So leadership, for example, we'll take that example. I say that word, right? But your value, like if your definition and your value of leadership could be very different than my value of leadership. Even you said family. What does that mean, right? So you write out your statements about personally, specifically to you, what is your unique definition of those values? And by creating those statements, it then becomes very apparent which two are actually the truest for you. So here's like a my own example. I value authenticity 100%. It's one of my values. It's not one of my two core values though, because when I really was getting, like when it, when it really push came to shove I was like can I truly say that I'm always authentic and that it guides every decision of my life I want to be able to I want to be able to say that right and I'm I that is something I strive for but I don't think I can say that today and so thus it's like not the guiding value right now there are other things so leadership is actually one of my values so leadership to me is a way that I express my authenticity right but it, it also affords me other things that are important to me right growth and learning and all these types of things right so my to kind of round this out so you go you write your statements and then it will become very clear which two are actually the truest for you and those two kind of become your like two kind of guiding light statements if you will and what happens then is that you can and so this happened for me, but now I have, you know, lots of testimonials from clients that say the exact thing, same thing is that when you do understand these two core values, your decision making becomes much easier in your life because you can always evaluate your decisions against your two core values. Is this going to honor my value or is this going to dishonor my value? And you would then 
because you can make these decisions much more easier without all this angst because I think what happens a lot with decision making is like you have a lot of angst like should I do it should I not do it like I don't know and then you like ask all these people around you for their advice and it's like that's fine but they have other values so it's like you're just taking someone else's opinion not actually listening to yourself right and then you make the, the you make the decision you're like oh, I don't know if it's right one you know you have all this like anxiety around things that goes away when you understand your values because decision you can make decisions that align to them and that angst goes away that anxiety goes away because you know that you've made a decision that's going to honor the two most important things in your life right you're creating more of that in your life so then your life starts to take on take on the kind of a new shape in the sense that you're living more in alignment with yourself and what's important to you and that is literally the equation of fulfillment right fulfillment to me is living aligned to your values you can only live that way if you actually understand what those two core values are and when we feel out of like when we don't feel fulfilled it's because our life doesn't look anything like our values like you know we have to show up inauthentically at work or I don't get to be a leader so I don't feel like I'm really fulfilling my purpose and my values right and then now I don't have a life that is fulfilling at all to me right mm -hmm. wow I mean you already just gave so much value right there into what you do and how you help people and I think that breaking it down like that, I guess I've never done it myself. And what you just explained, I'll definitely try it a bit later. But um, yeah. it's a great way to kind of just understand because I think so many of us, uh, especially people that are young, that are new to their careers that have a lot going on, or we're just put into the bubble of like, just going straight into college, we kind of don't really know who we are, what yeah. our values are, what's important to us, like we think we know. But if yeah. someone were to really ask me that, I I wouldn't know how to answer that in probably an efficient way um, like you just explained. So that, that's really interesting. But what I'm also really curious about is this whole coaching scene. I mean, me, myself, I'm always looking for something else to spend money on, <laughs> something else to kind of support. And a lot of times I see coaching come up on LinkedIn. I know a lot of powerful people have coaches mm -hmm. um, that I think to myself, I mean, why are they not coaches? But how does it really work? Like if someone goes ahead now, they book that exploration call with you, they decide that they want to work with you. What do, what should they be expecting from there on? Like, how does that relationship work? How long does it last? What happens? Yeah, so yeah for sure. So first and foremost, we, we definitely have to, we have that exploration call where we figure out if there's a fit, right? And for me, like I, I kind of like boil it down pretty, pretty simply to like two things really is one, do we both mutually agree that we would ever want to speak to each other again? <laughs> like in simplest terms, right? Like, is this person someone I would consistently want to talk to for the next four months? My program is four months, right? So I kind of think about that. And it, it's funny because when you're a manager, you, you also kind of think about that. It's like, do I want to be around this person for the next, you know, years of my life, right? So you're, you're, we naturally can assess that. Like we, we all have those skills inside of us. I, we, you know, we don't need to be taught that. We can just feel that intuitively. Like, so that's the intuition piece. The second piece that I, I really make sure um, there's a fit for is that they're actually going to do the work. Right. So I think a lot of the times people misunderstand coaching and think that, oh, like this person's going to help like change me or like this person's going to like make me different or, you know, make me achieve my goals. Right. And I don't make anyone do anything. Right. We no one has the ability to, you know, force anyone to do anything. The all the the power of coaching actually happens outside of the coaching sessions is what I kind of say. And I tell this to my clients because We'll obviously, there'll be aha moments and there'll be lots of insight in the coaching session, 
but the change doesn't happen in that hour. The change happens when that client goes out back into their life and implements those changes or practices those changes, or even just starts to see their life and the people around them and their reality differently because they now have a different mindset, right? And so they they go out and kind of practice these things that they learn. And all of a sudden, you know, the next week they're like, wow, like this thing happened and then that thing happened and I can't believe it. Like perfect example of that. One of my clients a couple of weeks ago showed up to, um, showed up to, and I, I'm sure you'll identify with this and resonate with this. So she showed up to the, the coaching session and she was pretty bummed out because she felt like she wasn't going to hit her annual number. Um, and even though she had like a month and a half until the end of the year. And so she's like kind of, you know, getting down on herself and going into the imposter syndrome rabbit hole of really like talking pretty negatively towards yourself. And she was going into like kind of catastrophizing, like, you know, and then if I don't hit my number, what does that mean for my future and all these plans that I had, none of them are going to happen. And she's just kind of, you know, unraveling, if you will. And, uh, and so, you know, through coaching and, and really getting um, back to a place of trusting your understanding your own self-worth and your own self-efficacy she kind of turned around to be like yeah you know what like you're right like I just need to trust that like I don't control the future I don't know what's going to happen but I do know that like the world and the universe is going to support me because like it always has and I'm going to figure it out regardless and I will be okay if I do or do not hit my number it's not the end I'll be all of my value as a human right so she really dedicated outside of the session so that's what she felt like in the session and then outside of the session though she really dedicated herself to kind of the practice of surrender if you will right just like and surrender means like you you trust you trust yourself and you trust the universe that like it's gonna be okay whatever happens maybe something bad does happen but you're gonna figure it out like you're gonna be okay right and so she practiced surrender all week Right. And like all these little, she came back. So the next week she comes back to our coaching session and she's like a different human, like bubbly, full of energy. And I'm just like, wow, like, look at you. Right. And she's like, you won't believe like I've been practicing surrender all week. Like my week has been amazing. All these crazy things have happened. And guess what? And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm about to close the biggest deal of my life and hit my annual number. Wow. Right. And so like, that's, that's the power of coaching, right? That little mindset shift that she made to say, I believe that the best will be delivered to me, like the best will happen for me and that I can figure out anything that does happen, even if it's not the best, right? Like that that real belief in yourself and trusting that it will come back to you. It, like, like I did when I manifested my own business, right? I was like, okay, I'm ready to take on new clients and all of a sudden they showed up for me. It's like, that's what, like, that's how amazing this universe is that we like live in. Right. And, but that's a fundamental belief that you need to have in yourself. Right. And have about the world. So getting back to your question though, about coaching, that's some of the results that you get. But so my, my program um, is four months long. We meet every single week. Um, that really creates like a consistency and accountability um, for clients. Um, because at the beginning of our, our coaching um, relationship, I have them get really, really clear on like, what is the goal of these four months, right? And I make them think about it as like, who is the future self that you are trying to become in these four months, right? Because when you have a clear vision of that future self, you can easily make decisions throughout your day and throughout the weeks to make investments in that future self, right? So let's like the easiest example is, you know, a weight loss goal, for example, which is not what I coach on, but just easy for people to understand. Like if you have this a weight loss goal of like losing 30 pounds for example right it's like 
your future self then is 30 pounds lighter, like maybe stronger, more fit. They have more energy. They're, they're sleeping better, so on and so forth. So today in my current self, I'm not that person, but how do I make an investment in that person, right? That investment looks like going to bed early, right? Like eating healthy, working out, like those little deposits into your future self will then compound to create your future self, right? So by holding that clear vision throughout our four month coaching, every time we meet and all the things that they do in between the sessions starts to create this future self of theirs. Right. And um, some of the ways that I help them do that is, as I mentioned, so we have a value, I do a values exercise, but there's, um, I have an entire kind of personal discovery workbook because my philosophy is that like we spend most of our lives, like looking to the outside world for who we should be right. Should as the operative word there. Right. And we don't ever really spend the time to go inwards to say, but who am I, right? Like me as a human being, who am I, right? So I, I force them. <laughs> I teach them how to go, go inward for the first couple sessions to really understand at their core who they are without the expectations of the world and who they should be and their boss and their mom and la la la, la. just who are they at their core. And that sets the foundation for us to then create from that place, right? Creating from the place of who you actually are and what you actually care about and what you actually value. And then you get to start to create your life from that place versus if you're always looking at the external world, your life will look very similar to someone else's, but that's someone else's values, right? Like that's not your own values, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know if that was clear, but. <laughs> no, it was, it was, but it, you know, you mentioned that success story. And I think obviously, you know, you have most people that are coming to you, they want to help themselves. But do you ever like meet with someone and you realize that it might be even more than imposter syndrome that because I think that a lot of people too have anxiety or some people have depression, and they want to kind yeah. of hope that it's just, you know, imposter syndrome or something mm. a coach can get them through. But it's deeper than that. Or say, for example, people just like a diet, you have personal trainer, nutritionist for two months, mm -hmm. that ends, you're good for like two weeks, you have one bad day, and then you're like, oh, fuck, it's all over, you know, mm. and you just kind of spiral back down. So what does kind of like the breakup look like? And also that question of, do you ever have those people that you're like, this is more than that? And like, I can't actually help you with this? Yeah. So I would say like a majority of my clients also have a therapist right? And if they feel the need to have a therapist, I'm totally okay with that fact. You know what I mean? Like, awesome. You have a therapist and you have a coach. Like, you know, we, we have kind of two different modalities, if you will. Um, I have had instances in the past of, you know, times where I think that a client um, would be in need of a therapist. Um, and so, and I'll be upfront with them to say like, you know, this is beyond my scope or, you know, maybe you need some, some extra help, right? If, if what, what, how we meet on a, you know, weekly basis, if that's not enough for you, right, then maybe think about, you know, getting more help. Um, but uh, the, the, the big thing, though, is I really help people create, like, fundamental shifts in their mind and how the way that they think, so that, like, I never want a client to be, be like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall apart if I don't talk to you, right? Like, that actually kind of means I'm a bad coach to some degree, right? Because then they're becoming dependent on me and I'm making it about me, right? And I'm all about, like, empowering you to create the life that you want, right? I just got an email yesterday from one of my clients that was just like, 
I can't believe like how different my life looks now four months, you know, from four months ago, like I believe in myself in such a different capacity. I'm like honoring myself. I'm gifting myself things. I'm taking risks that I could never take before. And like, that's when I know I'm like, my job is done, you know, not complete, but like mm-hmm. I did a good job in the sense that like this person feels agency over their life versus like a victim to their life. I think no one wants to call themselves a victim, but we can often take on victim mentalities when we think that like things are happening to us and it's like, woe is me, you know, I wish, you know, that's a that's a mindset shift, right? Or mm-hmm. a mindset that you're taking on. So um, I never want my clients to be dependent on me. However, uh, they can still uh, work with me past the four months because they're not dependent on me. They just actually want to keep investing in themselves, right? So it's kind of a funny distinction when we get to the price talk in in coaching because they they, you know it's natural to think oh like this is like this is going to cost me x amount of money right and you like ali you charge x amount of money right which sure in layman's terms fine but how i how i encourage them to think about it is one it's not a cost it's an investment right because this will literally change you fundamentally but you're also not investing in me that price tag is the investment you're making in yourself. So do you think you are worth that amount of money to invest in yourself? And it's almost like they're my first challenge as a coach of like, do you, do you feel enough self-worth to make this investment in yourself? Cause again, you're not investing in me, right? You are investing in you. Right. Um, and so uh, that's anyways, that's like a, uh, uh, the first kind of challenge that I do with clients, but Clients can then after the four months choose to continue to work with me. And there's a couple different, you know, packages, if you will. And like I said, I'm excited about 2022 because I'm building that phase out of my business because most of my clients have just graduated now from my, my four month packaging. And so 2022 is kind of like all about the continuation, right? Like what else do my clients need? Like where are they after those four months and how, can I now support them from that place? Right. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. they're fundamentally a different client at that place than they were when they first showed up. So how can I support them from there? Right. And so I'm creating new programming and some new, um, some new stuff for them. Wow. Exciting. I definitely yeah. want to hear more about that. And I will definitely uh, keep my eyes open to learn more about it. I mm-hmm. hope you'll be sharing more on LinkedIn. Well, I'm sure you will. Um, every day I, have, yeah, I see it I see it yeah but you yourself so you were coached by uh, Colleen Rooney and I'm yeah. sure you kind of mingle with other coaches as well and you know learn more about the industry so as a coach I would think that you kind of not always have to have your shit together but for the most part you kind of have to have your head screwed on because you're guiding other people and helping them and you need to have a totally. clear mind in order to do that so what's the best piece of advice about coaching that you've ever received you know um so there's a couple like fundamental um beliefs that we hold as coaches at least you know from the training that I've gotten and I think two of them that really like ring true for me is that um because actually I have some clients that want to be coaches themselves and so you know it's something I like help them with these things because when you're first becoming a coach like you're so concerned about yourself right they're like am I doing it right you know like is this person getting value and it's like so so you're listening from that place right like that kind of ego place right and so what we say in coaching is like we also have to make sure that we're coaching ourselves 
in that moment, right? To be like, this isn't, a, this isn't a you moment. This is about your client, right? And you're holding space for your client. And when you do that and you take the focus off of yourself, like your, your chatter in your brain, you then show up very differently for your client and your client gets much more value out of you, right? Whereas like our incessant negative talk brain, that's like, am I doing this right? Am I doing, oh my God, oh my God, what are they thinking? That's when you don't show up what right for your client, right? You're not, you're not doing right by your client when you're kind of in that space, right? So make sure to coach yourself um, in those moments. And then also to um, dance in the moment. So that's one of like our fundamental beliefs um, from the coach training I, I went through, which means to like, you have to be fully present in the moment. You can't come in with an agenda and this is what we're doing and you have to do it my way and, and whatnot. This is the, the client's time and you need to be able to literally dance in the moment with them wherever they need to go because we might start on a career topic and then all of a sudden switch to a childhood topic and they're now crying right and you just now we're here now we're here right instead of being like well let's uh put that on pause because I'm not ready to deal with that personally myself and let's go back to something I am you know comfortable dealing with right so there's a lot of like self-coaching that you need to do and also being able to dance in that moment so that presence in that moment is super important Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like kind of getting out of your own head and, and putting yourself in their shoes. And what happens though? I mean, maybe this is something you kind of screen in that exploration call, but what happens if this someone like you can tolerate them, you can talk to them, but you have totally different views. Mm. Like, do you ever feel like you have to go against your own views in order to maybe do what's right for them? But mm. it's, I mean, I don't even know if that really makes sense, but no, no, I get people it. People just have different opinions and No, yeah. for sure. And I it's definitely something I screen for because I'm not going to be the right coach for them, right? Like if we fundamentally believe differently about the world, like I'm not going to be a good coach for them. Like not because I'm not a good coach, but like it's not what they want, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not even going to get into like views that I would not jive with because like whatever, like let's not like not go there. But I, I definitely will tell people that I don't think I'm the right fit for you. Like I think that what you want, like if someone is just like, oh, I just really need to be the best AE at all costs, like, or, you know, the best of something, I'm kind of like, Ooh, you know, like that's not really like, I'm not a performance coach. Like I'm not just here to like make you a like, I don't know, performing machine at work at, all costs to everyone and yourself like that it goes against my fundamental beliefs right so if that's what you need absolutely there are coaches out there for you right also stuff like oh like I want to get a job and I just need a job and I'm like yeah that's like also not what I do like I'm not a career coach in that sense like I don't do resume writing or any of that stuff right so there's obviously some some um stuff that like definitely does not jive with what I do and it's not going to jive with them either Mm-hmm. that makes sense I mean that that does totally make sense I guess it's the same thing as you know with therapy too I know a lot of people that have gone to a certain therapist or a certain personal trainer that they just kind of don't vibe with each other and it's, I guess it's okay to just say you know this is different gonna work, philosophies it's not going to be yeah it won't be productive for either one of them I guess so yeah that yeah, does make totally. sense so I know we're getting I towards think, the end of our time go for ahead sure. I was just gonna say I think you know this is like a David Premier always says this but there's such power in the the statement like I'm not for everyone you know Mm -hmm. and like 
this might not be for you, right? Like I might not be for you. Like there's a lot of power in that because it, it doesn't feel fun for me to coach people that I don't actually jive with their beliefs. Right. So, you know, holding that state, holding that statement to be and feeling okay with that statement is really powerful. Definitely. That it makes total sense. I mean, why, why would anyone want to do that? And why would they want to go against their beliefs? Why would you want to go against yours? So mm-hmm. might've been a silly question, but had to ask it anyway. All good. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, we're getting to the end of our time. I say, unfortunately, because like you said before, when you're comfortable, you just want to keep going, but mm-hmm. I know we both have a, a time. So when you look at kind of the coaching landscape and you've been in kind of the SaaS world as well, where things are always changing, there's always a new solution for something to kind of take out the human in it and replace it with something automatic. So how do you kind of see the coaching landscape evolving in the next few years? Do you think anything will get easier, harder? Do you think there'll be more competition? Yeah. Well, I think what's definitely be that new that didn't exist when I was first a coach is companies that like literally, you know, specialize in coaching for enterprises, right? So there's like BetterUp, there's another company like Ezra Coaching, and there's lots of other ones. None of these companies existed five years ago, right? Maybe they did, but it wasn't a big thing. So I'm sorry, I don't know if those companies actually existed, but I didn't know of them five years ago is what I'm trying to say. And I, and I was a coach. So, um, uh, so that's new on the scene. And um, I've not personally used any of those companies. Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled though, that coaching is a part of the conversation for leaders, for individual contributors. Like I've been coached for eight years and it's always been my secret weapon. So I'm so glad that like the world's catching up. Um, So I'm really happy about that. So I think that we'll see more and more competition in that space. I fundamentally hope that AI does not take over in this space because I don't think that it can. It is like, I mean, if we're going to AI therapists, then like, I just like, I don't think that's going to happen either. You know, like it is such a human connection thing. And I think, AI and technology has to take a back seat uh, sometimes because um, you cannot replace that human element. And we are creatures of community and belonging and that cannot be done by, by computers. Um, so I think, but I, so as I said, so I think there'll be more competition in that space and there will be a ton more solopreneurs and entrepreneur coaches as well. And I don't, I don't know something I should think about for my own self, but (laughs) I don't fundamentally know how those things are going to interact or overlap or whatnot. You know, I'm kind of curious about how people feel about finding their own coach versus going to like a big company that and getting prescribed a coach. I don't know how people feel about that. I know how I feel about it personally. Um, I've always liked that kind of, I want to find my person type of like that's how I think about coaching but maybe other people don't maybe they're just like oh right sign me up like find me one like I just need to kind of get a coach if you will um I don't know what what's your I'm curious what's your opinion about it like would you go through one of the better ups or would you go find your own personal coach I think I would go with the personal just because for those kinds of things I mean when it comes to therapy or a personal trainer nutritionist like I really want to hear from people I know what has mm-hmm. worked from them. And if they have like that one person they recommend, I'm going to try that person. And I just think, like you said, when you go into those huge companies, like obviously everyone is trying to make money. Like this coaching is your job. Obviously you want to, you know, profit from it, but it's more personal for you. Whereas I feel yeah. in places like that, it's more of kind of like a factory 
yeah. um, which I don't know. This could is be like that there's certain this people is the that goal for the month. For yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, me, I need like personal, I need attention. And I think yeah. those places, it's more like, you know, standardized plans that might not just fit all. Um, yeah. It might be like a nice thing that you can get through your company is like a one-off, you know, for, for corporate yeah. kind of environments. Um, yeah. But if I was really going to work on myself and, and really do this for me, I would probably just go and find someone, an individual that can help me with that and yeah. not go through the big, uh, the big factory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. That's a, that, that, yeah. I, it, maybe a poll that I will put onto uh, LinkedIn <laughs> one day, but I see. yeah, you might get I think, for it, but... sorry. I said, you might get shamed for it. People nowadays don't love polls. <laughs> I hate the but polls, but I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, as I mentioned in the beginning, I think one of my values is family and I have two kids of my own. And I know you mentioned in the past that these kinds of imposing thoughts stem from our childhood and we make up these things of how we have to be perfect to make our parents happy or to do this or to do that. And I mean, myself as a mom, I can say I'm pretty tough and I want my kids to focus. I want them to excel. I want them to be the best that they can be, but I also don't want to scar them. Um, so for us parents, I mean, what piece of advice would you give us when it comes to our kids? Like, how can we help them? from facing these same struggles that most of us are all facing right now with imposter syndrome. Yeah. Get a coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I mean, even in what you said, you know, you want them like the best for them and, but you're kind of, you're, you're dictating what's the best for them in some degree. And of course, like your parent, you have to, to some degree, you need to keep them alive, but you know, how can you hold that? Like they are going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And um, how do you let them kind of express their creativity and express who they truly are without feeling um, this pressure that they need to make you happy. Right. And that, that is like, that's fundamentally something that you could get coaching on because, you know, what is, what are the thoughts that you're having in your mind that tell you that you need to do that as a mom right like mm -hmm. and it's you know what we call saboteurs so these like self-sabotaging thoughts because I'm sure if we took even what you just said and we kind of like peeled back the layers and the layers there would be some stuff about how you were raised and fear about not being good enough like it would all come down to that right so you're actually just kind of projecting your stuff onto your kids to some degree so getting coaching on that is like always going to be helpful because the less we can like, you know, make our stuff their stuff, the better. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess kids just need to be kids sometimes too. So sometimes you just and need not to have to think about all the like performance and you know productivity. Like we're not just meant to be like productivity machines, right? Like we're meant to be humans, you know. And how yeah. can we just like let the human experience happen? I mean, I think that there's so many. Like for me myself, it's like okay, but if I'm not like that, what if they turn out to be lazy or they're just like not such a good person? For me, it's not like, oh my God, they better be so successful and be the mm -hmm. best at this or that. It's like, just be a good person. And you see so many kids that their parents just kind of let them do whatever they want. And then they're not really good people out in the world. And I'm always just like, I don't want that. But I guess that can go both ways. If you push too hard, that's exactly what can happen just from like rebellion and so forth. Mm -hmm. But yeah that's a whole nother topic so yeah anyways definitely 
I'm sure there's we'll coaches on parenting for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm certain there are. I have to look into that too, I guess. I'll have a few coaches mm-hmm. maybe. Exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Allie, for taking the time to chat with me, for being the first guest. It means tons to me, especially because I myself had tons of imposing thoughts when it came to the fact that I'm putting out a podcast and there's 2 million mm-hmm. other podcasts and who the hell am I to do this? But I did it. It's done. We did it. And I really appreciate it. And I'm excited and I'm excited to share this with everyone else. So thank you. Thank you so much. You definitely did it. Good for you, girl. Thank you. Thank you. And we will definitely go ahead and give your information to everyone that's looking into coaching. Put in your LinkedIn uh, link and make sure you're known. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Allie.